Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another episode of Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, a man whose sure thing is the gyro plate at University Broiler on Harrison Boulevard. Go check him out. Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have a man whose sure thing is a place called Italy in New York City. Fancy. Dustin Chapman. Yeah, that's a shout out for our for our next panelist who is doing his uh, sabbatical at Columbia in New York City. Italy was my place in Midtown, man. Love going there. Great atmosphere. It's everything you'd ever want in New York City. Man, sounds fancy. And next we have a man whose marginal benefit for food is zero after going to Arby's. Michael Kofod. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here. Uh, longtime listener. I guess first time co-host here. And <laughs> Chappie, I need to make it to Italy, but there's a Shake Shack now across the street from my office. So it, it's hard to get past. Yeah, you're going to have a rough time there. <laughs> but there, there is one for the record. There is one close to Italy. You're right by Madison Square Park. So you get the original location. Man, all this, all this, all this New York talk. I don't know nothing about New York. <laughs> all right, fellas, on today's show, we got a player interview. We're going to be talking with sophomore running back Chris Jackson. He's on the phone with us. Going to be talking to us a little bit about his journey from Mesa, Arizona, up to cold and snowy Ogden, Utah, at 4,500 feet. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that, about some of the big games he's had, especially recently this season, and especially against Eastern Washington a couple weeks ago. So excited to have Chris on. Uh, we're going to be doing a football recap. So we're going to talk about the game on Saturday. We were state taking the trip up to Pocatello and getting the dub, the the sure thing against Idaho State. Only lost three times in my lifetime to that team. So talk a little bit about that. And then I got a game for our panel tonight called Buy or Sell. I've got some scenarios we're going to give to these guys. We're going to see what they think. So we're going to play Buy or Sell. But first, before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on social media. You can get us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Twitter is one of the best places to chat with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. Kind of settled now in Tennessee, and so I'll be doing a lot more stuff on Twitter on game day. So check us out there. And finally, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Support the work that we're trying to do. We're going to be producing more content with sports-specific shows for you folks in the future now. So go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Support the work that we're trying to do and uh, help us buy cool tools. All right. All that's done now. We're going to be talking now with sophomore running back Chris Jackson. Chris, why don't I have you on the show for a while? We finally got the chance, man. Thanks for coming on Weber State Weekly. Uh, Thanks for having me, for real. Yeah, man, we're really excited to chat with you. Um, quite a journey. I've uh, been with the team since 2018, so seen a lot of success in Wildcat uniform. And uh, so we want to, well, we want to start from the beginning. Talk to us, you know, Chris, you're originally from the desert, from Mesa, Arizona. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, man. How did Weber State get on your radar? And what made you ultimately decide to take the, take the journey from the desert up to the mountains to play football at Weber State? So growing up at my high school, we didn't win a lot of games. So it was kind of hard to get looks at or get looks for um, any schools, to be honest. And I actually played against one of my teammates here, Preston Smith. And okay. one day he kind of just DM me on Twitter out of nowhere. And he, while he was here at Weaver during my senior year in high school, he asked me if I had any offers and I told him no. And he was like, oh, that's, that's BS. I'll send my coaches your film. And then that same night I got a call from coach Myers. And then a week later they had offered me. So I got to give, a lot of credits to Preston and a lot of thanks to him because without him, I probably wouldn't be here today. But that transition from 120 degree weather to shoot below zero is insane. I, I'm still not used to it. I can't, I, I don't know if I'll ever be there. 
I mean, if it helps, I'm not really used to it either. And I grew up in Utah, so don't, don't feel bad, man. I mean, it's it's not a lot of fun, uh, but cool. So already, you know, sort of a, a, you knew Preston Smith, who's been having a really good season himself this year on the right. secondary. Uh, but, and that sort of began the process of saying, yeah, man, I'd, I'll come up to Weber State and I'll play football. And so yeah. came into a program that, you know, is, has done a really good job producing running backs and getting good production out of those guys. And so talk to us a little bit about that, man. So you show up in 2018, ready to play a uh, true freshman and all right, man, we're ready to go. And you're part of a, a historic Weber State team that ends up, you know, taking a, taking it to the quarterfinals against Maine. Talk to us a little bit about that season and kind of, you know, get, getting your feet wet in college football that year. Uh, so funny thing that year, um, the transition was so, so weird from high school football to college football, just cause I felt like everything here is just done the right way. Uh, not necessarily that things weren't done the right way in my high school, but like, it just feels like everything here is done right. And if you, if it's not done right, the coaches will let you know. And so i somehow managed to work my way up to second on the depth chart leading into the Utah game. When I first got here back in 2018. Nice. And our our starter went out that game, so I played almost the whole entire game versus Utah, and it was a it was a wake up call. And so I definitely could tell the difference between high school football and college football. But um, I I was under Trayshawn Garrett at the time, Josh Davis, obviously. Dave yep. Jones was still there in the running back room. Um, I was under some good people, so they kind of just showed me around. And Coach Q was Jacksonville right now, yeah. Um, so I was under some good people, and they kind of just show me the ways, uh, how they do things, how they do things right, how to work hard. And it was tough, but I mean, I feel like without them, I definitely wouldn't be as productive and successful as I am now. And seeing all the success they had um, throughout the whole regular season, winning the Big Sky Championship, and then taking us to the quarterfinal game in versus Maine, um, I got to give my pro- give thanks for my progress to them because without them, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am now. Oh man, you want to talk about cold that main game? Oh, that, game that, that game, that so game was brutal, cool. bro. That game was brutal, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, man. So I mean, you know, the, had an opportunity to kind of hang out with Coach Q, Quinton Ganther, like you said, who's now coaching in the NFL at Jacksonville. Um, man, and a great mentor, and plus, like you said, some other guys, some some Wildcat legends like Treshawn Garrett, and of course, you know, your teammate Josh Davis, um, who ended up winning Freshman of the Year that year, I believe, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Uh, Mike Chappie questions for, for Chris, as we kind of go along here, I've got some more for to ask him about this season specifically, but questions burning in your minds right now. Yeah. So Chris question for you, you know, Weber state has, we just constantly talk about how it feels like there's just a stable of running backs in there. Like it's, I, I can't believe the depth we have at running back, uh, always, you know, and what's the room like just, as far as personalities go and, and knowing that, you know, it, it could be plug and play. I mean, if, if somebody's hurt, when you're hurt, somebody else steps in when, you know, when Josh is sick, is, is hurt, is down, Dante McMillan steps in. Like I I've never seen an FCS team with quite as much depth as we have at running back. What, what is that like? Uh, in our room, we all love each other and we're all like, honestly, like best friends in that room. And like you guys are saying, we know like if somebody goes down or somebody's just not getting it done, we have another guy who can come in to step up. Like Josh, um, Josh, that's what kind of started my journey pretty much. One game back in 2019, Josh goes down, I go in and I am able to showcase what I can do. <clears throat> and I feel like that kind of like solidified my my role on the team. 
And then same thing goes for Dante. Um, he stepped up, he stepped up in the spring, show what he can do. Same with Daniel when he was here. Um, Demond Banks and the, fr- the freshman we have, he's able to do the same stuff that a lot of the backs can do in the room. Dave Jones, obviously. So yeah, we got a lot of depth and we all love each other in that room. So yeah, it's competition, but like at the end of the day, we're all rooting for each other. That's awesome. Hey, Chris, uh, when I was in graduate school I, at Georgia, I took an odd job as being an academic tutor for the football team for diaper cash because I had two little kids. And the thing that always shocked me and impressed me was how much the toll of a season does on players' bodies, especially injury-wise and fatigue. And the thing that worried me a lot with COVID was that you guys were going to be playing in the spring last year. And you were injured last spring. Tell me how that, how, what it took to get back to where you are right now, especially if that's shorter off season. Oh no, Chris, are you uh, still able to hear us? Oh, we'll just take a second here. Technical difficulties, but we'll have Chris hop on just a second here. Here he is coming right back. Here we go. I'm sorry. I Someone had called me. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that actually happens a lot. So don't feel bad. <laughs> but Chris, the question from Michael was, uh, you know, he, as a graduate student at Georgia had, had tutored some football players and was surprised at the toll that the season takes on the body. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the short off season, uh, between the spring season and, and the fall season and kind of working through the injuries that you had in the spring. Okay. So I believe you asked me about my injuries, but my audio is super weird on this. So I'm going to go ahead and leave and come right back just because it sounds like you're talking in slow motion and like a really deep voice. Okay. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to fix this really quick. I'm sorry about that. Go, no, no, sweat, man. Voice. no <laughs> problem. No problem at all. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good question, Michael, because like you said, especially at the running back position, I mean, it is really this is a workhorse position, a lot of a lot of wear and tear on a guy. And so I think, you know, to your point, Chappie, the fact that guys that especially the Wildcats having so much depth at running back gives them the opportunity to have several guys and kind of spread that load across many guys who are all really talented at the position. Yeah, no, it was just crazy, you know, just tutoring a lot of running backs at Georgia because you would see him just get knocked around in a normal day. And then Monday morning injuries, notwithstanding how much that just took on them. And so I think Chris is back, but. Okay. Yeah. I can hear you guys better now. Sorry about that. No sweat, man. So go ahead. Talk to us a little bit about like, like Michael said, coming in off the, off the short season, kind of working through some of those injuries in the spring and, you know, kind of what it takes to get back and ready to play at, at, at the highest level of college football. So I actually, my injuries date back to high school. I've had two shoulder surgeries on the same shoulder, my left side. And um, the second shoulder surgery I had was during the 2019 season uh, versus, I believe it was North Dakota. And so I was out early that game and that kind of ended my year then. And the the recovery process is, uh, it's almost harder than actually like working out and the training we do for football, because if you're not committed to it and not consistent, then it's going to hinder your performance even more. And it kind of sucked because when I had the surgery, um, it was December 2019. And since it was such a big operation, they told me not to start therapy for a while. And so by the time I was able to start therapy, I did a week of that. Then COVID shut everything down. So I was even further behind than I should have been, than I wanted to be. 
And so getting back um, for that 2020 year where we missed our season, and then in the spring, it was just such a such a drag. And I was in such like a – for me, it was probably one of the worst parts of my life just because it hindered me and I just felt like I wasn't contributing and things were, were going my way in life at the time. And so it was draining and it made me think about life and my decision here playing football. But I had good people around me. I uh, call my parents every day, my sister, my brothers, uh, my dad, talk to my coaches. I have good friends, my roommates here. Um, a lot of people just kind of kept on me and just was like, no, you like, we need you, you have a guy. Um, kept my spirits high. And so during the whole spring season, me not being able to play due to injuries, still, it was still like, it, it hurt, but finally got my chance for SIU. Um, was able to punch one touchdown in. And then from there, it's just been growth. I feel like I've been so much better. Uh, still, shoulder kind of bothers me. Uh, been having hamstring issues every now and then, but just keep working at it. And then you, you'll find success anywhere. So, and I got to thank all my coaches, teammates, roommates, everybody here for that. Well, Chris, you know, we, we last couple of games, especially you've come on just incredibly strong. I mean, your performance against, against Eastern Washington was absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Idaho State was great uh, to me. And we've been not critical on the show, but just wondered about the goal line opportunities and red zone, red zone scoring issues, which I'm sure you guys have talked about internally at length. Yeah. To, <laughs> To me, it feels like you're kind of the solution that we've been waiting for there. Somebody that you just hand the ball to and 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 run it up the middle, right? Um, but but talk to us about that. You really just came on in Eastern Washington, and it was like, you know, it was like all of a sudden the life came on, and and you had a great game with 93 yards. What, what was that like to, to come in and have a great game like that against the number two Eagles? Um, you know, earlier in that week, uh, Coach Conley had told me he's like, oh, you're gonna you're going to be the starter this week. I want, I'm excited to see what you can do. And I was, it was more of like a thing for myself to prove to myself that I can still do everything I, I've always been able to do. It's just, I really hadn't been able to showcase myself all the way. And so really that game for me was like a proven point for myself. Like, okay, I can still do it. And the proofs to the team, like, okay, I can still be an asset to you guys. You guys still use me. And then when things kind of started rolling, I, honestly, the first play I felt it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be the game. I have to take control. And I had a pretty, pretty good game and just kept momentum going and seeing my teammates juiced up and excited for me kind of kept me going as well. So, well, and, and, and the second half, like once you guys got the lead about halfway, three quarters way through the third quarter, was, they just kept, please kept feeding you the ball, <laughs> just kept feeding the ball. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is exactly right. This is, this man is going to take over this game. And you did. So congratulations. It was a phenomenal performance. I appreciate that. And my coaches, Coach Q told me a lot too, but um, obviously people don't want to tackle my body type a whole entire game. And so they're going to get tired of it. And so I feel like I was able to wear them down and made it a little bit easier for myself. Yeah. I mean, Chris, that's a really good point, especially in that, in that Eastern Washington game, because ended up going for 93 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and like you said, especially toward the end of that third quarter into the fourth, Wildcats ended up going up 14 in the fourth quarter um, before the Eagles stormed back and um, kind of got even. But still, I think you're right. I think the defense, the Eagles defense was really struggling, was getting tired of tackling, you know, a big physical back like yourself. 
And uh, there was a lot of success uh, up the middle. It wasn't anything fancy or cute. It was just, you know, smash mouth football, just run it up the middle. And uh, they were they were having a really hard time dealing with that toward the end. But you mentioned Coach uh, Coach Conley, and so I wanted to ask you a question about him, man, because uh, this is now his technically his second season at Weber State. You know, came on staff in January, uh, took over during the spring season as the running backs coach, and now in his technical second season as Wildcat running back coach. Talk to us a little bit about him. Um, talk about when you know him coming in and his philosophy and kind of the way that he motivates you guys and kind of keeps that room together because it's been a strength at Weber State for quite a while. Coach Conley, he is a very passionate person. Like <laughs> everything he does, he does with a lot of juice, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Um, he likes, he doesn't like being wrong. When, and when I say that, I mean like when we're wrong, like we mess up an assignment on, on like a field, like in a, we mess a play up or something, like he takes full credit and responsibility for it. He always has our backs. And, but for the most part, he kind of just lets us do our thing. And um, whenever we need coaching up, he'll coach us up on it. But that's kind of how it's always been in the running back room with, with and without Coach Conley. We just kind of do our thing, and then he steps in where he feels like he needs to step in. But seeing him support and love on up, love up on all of us, even though it's only his second season here, it speaks volumes for everybody in the room. Just because we have, we know we have that support from him no matter what. So him coming in, honestly, has been a huge, a huge. Uh, positive effect in the room. Yeah, that's so great to hear. And could you maybe even just elaborate a little bit on, you know, the years I've been watching Wildcat football, it seems like team culture has been kind of like the the white roller coaster at Lagoon, right? Like ups and downs. And it seems like with Coach Hill, the culture is really stuck at a very high level. What is the feeling around the team, especially given both Coach Hill and Coach Conley and what they've been bringing to the to the locker room? Honestly, being around Coach Hill, because like you say, he emphasizes that uh, relatedness a whole lot within our team. And so the more I'm, the more I, uh, uh, what's the word to say? The more I, uh, I'm around it, I guess, or around Coach Hill and whenever he speaks on relatedness, it kind of just, I don't know, it just rubs off on everybody. It's like something in the air that kind of keeps all of our teammates really close together. Like my roommates, Kylan, Gary Beck and Nassim Colvin, uh, honestly, they're probably some of the best friends. Trevor Salati, too. Some of the best friends I've ever had my whole life. So, like, just that whole relatedness we've had is preached a lot within our locker room, within uh, our meetings and stuff. And so, I just, I don't know, it's just something you got to love. And love it we do as Wildcat fans. I mean, thus far, a lot of success, of course, with the football program. But I want to talk a little bit about that, Chris. Kind of wrap up on this question right here. Um, Join the team in 2018. You've been a part of a lot of successful Wildcat football teams. Talk to us about what you think the biggest moment you've been a part of on the field for Wildcat football. What what, what would it be in your mind? Uh, you said you said the biggest moment I feel like I've been part of. Yeah, that like you were on the field, you were a part of that moment. Bam! What was it? Mm, that's tough. Uh, that Eastern game is probably up there, honestly. Yeah. But if I had to choose, it'd probably be either one of our Big Sky titles. Honestly, I'd, I'd say it's the Eastern game for me, just personal. Like I said, I had to feel like I had to prove to myself and everybody else that I could still be a part of this team and contribute. So I feel like that's probably the biggest thing for me. 
Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely fair for you, Chris, especially because going up to Cheney, knocking off number two when it looked like playoff hopes were pretty much dead after, you know, I was in in Stewart Stadium the night or the week before and uh, just sort of there had been let out of the room, lost to the Bobcats. And it was just like, gosh, I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs. Now we got to take the trip up to Cheney. But the Wildcats answered the bell and said, you know, no, we're not going to go down. We're going to go up to Cheney. We're going to show them what we're about. And you were a big part of that. So I can see how you get there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, fellas, uh, any, any parting questions for Chris before we let him go? No. All right. Chris Jackson, want to thank you so much for taking some time to join us at Weber State Weekly. Looking forward to your performance on Saturday against Portland State back at home at Stewart Stadium. Uh, Going to be a good one, man. And so uh, we'll hope to see you out there and wish you the best of luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me, too. Absolutely, man. We'll see you soon. Want to thank Chris Jackson one more time for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here at Weber State Weekly. Um, always appreciate getting the players on and shout out to SID Paul Grua for getting those scheduled for us and, and making them work so that we can ask the questions and uh, get some of the responses from the players so the Wildcat fans can hear it. Really appreciate the way that the system works. So, so two, two things for me real quick, Kobe. Go ahead. I, I always love doing the player interviews because it's so much fun to get to know these guys, right? And get to know their story. And with Chris Jackson, you can see that, that that's, I, I don't, I, I don't think any of us as, as non-college football athletes, you know, average Joes can, can, can relate to probably how hard it is to come back from an injury like that. And, and you can tell, like Chris was honest with us. There's, there's a lot of self-doubt there. And, for me, honestly, it's just, it's very enjoyable to see, see the kids succeed, right? Like his, his season in 2019, when he, when he came on and he was a battering ram then too. And it was so much fun to watch him. We were like, man, this kid's going to be really good here for a long time. Yeah. And it's been fun to watch him. I, like I mentioned, you could just tell that he was having so much fun against Eastern Washington, Idaho state. and was just so happy to be out there. Uh, you know, injuries play games with your mind. It's fun to see the kid having, having success. No, I'm glad you said that, Chappie, because I think that's the one beautiful thing for us to get to work in higher education is seeing those students kind of, whether on the field or in the classroom, face those setbacks and then come back. And they have that glow about them. And that's what was exciting to watch with Chris is that overcoming that adversity and being excited to do great things. Yeah, it's life lessons, right? I mean, that's and, and, and to hop on that, too, you could clearly tell every player we've had on um, Coach Hill the culture that they have around that program is it's amazing. I, I don't uh, props to the coaches every time. Cause every time we talk to a player, they mention just how much they enjoy being there and, and, but also how accountable it is. Like he, he mentioned coach Hill hitting on accountability. Like that is something Jay Hill has preached around here since the day he got here. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's fun, but it's holding everybody accountable. And it's, 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 it's cool to see really is excellent to see. Yeah. And, th- and those kind of habits, they bleed it back into the classroom and they bleed back into life, as you said. So, and, and I know as a professor, nothing better than having a great coaching staff that's helping those students do the best they can. So. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some of those habits on the field, guys. Uh, speaking of a habit, let's uh, let's break down this dub over Idaho State, which has pretty much become a habit in my lifetime. Uh, like we noted at the top of the show. Wildcats have only lost to Idaho State three times in the last 36 years. So, yeah, man. I mean, this is about as sure thing as you can get. Wildcats beating the Bengals this time 40 to 17. 
Um, let's start out from the top, man. So the Wildcats take the trip up to Pocatello and, uh, they got to play in, in Holt arena. You all know my non-love of Holt arena, although they're telling me that it's going to be renovated next year. So, so Colby, that- which is worse, the, the Holt arena or that blood red field? Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, for my retinas, Holt arena better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I will say that I I do aspire to go to Cheney one day and see it in all its in all its glory, um, but Holt Arena I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> one thing that makes me laugh about Holt Arena when I went up there, um, I think it was uh, twenty eighteen. Was that the year that? Maybe it was 2019 that I went up there and uh, I, we were walking into the arena and there were people outside, they were tailgating and I was like, Oh, cool. And, uh, but I noticed like the grills were off and they were straight up watching the game on TV. I was like, it's, <laughs> it's in like, it's not sold out. Like you guys could go in. Just, just go in there. Yeah, no, they, they weren't, they were straight up watching it on TV in the parking lot. Oh, and, anyway, you'll never see that at Stewart stadium. That's all I gotta say. But let's talk a little bit about it, guys. So Wildcats make the trip up to Pocatello and they get the dub. Like we said, like uh, so, so it's normal. Uh, it's just, this is kind of this is the thing that happens. And so Wildcats have only lost three games to the Bengals since 1985. Like I noted, Brett Hine also noted that in a, in a piece that he ran this week on the Standard Examiner. So make sure to check that out. But uh, how are you guys feeling about going into this one? Because I, I got to admit, I, I wasn't sure to what, to what to expect because Idaho State had played Sac State tough in Pocatello and had also beat UC Davis uh, by 10 points in Pocatello as well. So I didn't know what we were going to get. I mean, what about you guys? What, what, did you expect to, the Wildcats to just come in and handle business or did you think it was maybe going to be a little bit of a struggle? I was, I was skeptical, you know, I was excited to see uh, what was going to happen, but after seeing UC Davis struggle there and, you know, lose there, I, I, I wondered, um, Things were not perfect, you know, but but it was good enough. Uh, offense was better, uh, and it seems like they are going to hopefully get the confidence that they need um, by playing, you know, lesser opponents. It's sure a lot easier to score against Idaho State than it is, you know, against James Madison, <laughs> right? So uh, I, I did see a lot of that. I saw an offense that's that's going to be primed and ready to go and, and hopefully get their confidence back. Um Defense was excellent, of course, as always. I mean, Idaho State did score some points, but defense was good. And special teams, you know, last two weeks, to me, the story has been special teams play. You know, they we, we, we got Rashid scoring a touchdown on a kick return. We blocked a punt and got a touchdown off of that. Um, coming off our conversation with Mac Morgan last week about – you know, stealing possessions from teams, we, we just straight out stole points. And, and, yeah. and you know, to me – to me, special teams is what takes Weber State from a really good team to a great team. Like to me, that is the the differences when we have those types of things. But it's been difficult because, and Jay Hill has said it in press conferences, teams are teams are prepping for the special team, so it's harder for them to run fake punts. It's harder for them to run, you know, fake field goals. It's harder for them to do. But to me, then they if they can figure out a way to do it, they need to because that is what makes them a very very good team. No, I agree. And I, I think I always get nervous when one of my teams has a big win, like against number two, Eastern Washington, because you worry about the kind of overconfidence that, that these players can have maybe going into a game that they're supposed to win. But I think this also speaks volumes to Jay Hill 
and the accountability we were talking about before. And also, like like I think, Chappie, you said the defense, 24 rushing yards last week in Pocatello. Like, I mean, that, that's that's low double digits, so that's great to see as well. And so I think that they they have a good shot to run the table here. But, I mean, they got they took care of business, which was, I think, what they needed to prove to themselves that they could do after the Eastern Washington win and the close calls that they could have had earlier this season. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you too, Michael, that um, this was an opportunity. Obviously, like we noted, uh, the Wildcats have had their struggles earlier in the season, losing to James Madison, losing to Davis, then losing to Montana State. You know, sort of three ranked opponents and losing to all at home, by the way, which is very uncharacteristic of Jay Hill football teams. Stewart Stadium is normally a very difficult place for teams to play and win, um, but have let a few get away from the Wildcats this season. And so... I think that for the Wildcats, there was some pressure, of course, you know, getting that win over, over number two Eastern Washington, which was important, um, especially to make a case to the committee that hopefully you would be a, a playoff caliber team for an at large bid. But I think coming into this Idaho State game, it was more than just we have to win. I think it was especially we have to win big. I think that going forward, the Wildcats for the rest of the season really have to win by at least two scores because I don't think that it like like this coming weekend against Portland State, should they struggle and, you know, lose or only win by single digits. I think that that's going to be, it's going to be difficult to make the case that this is a playoff caliber team. Um, they have to continue to win by double digits, but they de- they certainly did it in this this one, winning forty to seventeen, and really could have been 40, 40 to ten if not for pick six in the third quarter, I believe it was. So you know what I mean? Like this was a pretty dominating affair for the Wildcats, and it's good to kind of see them. Michael, you noted the defense only allowed twenty four rushing yards net in this one, twenty four. Uh, that really surprised me because I mean, I expect, of course, we know that the Wildcats have a good run defense. We saw that even against a very physical back like uh, Isaiah Fonse in Mon- at Montana State, you know, yep. really physical back. I mean, this guy is just, he's, he's all muscle and strength. And even him, you know, he, he didn't crack 100 yards in that game. No, and I agree with you, Colby, that to make it in the playoffs, they're going to have to win big because I know as a fan, sometimes you're like, oh, we had one extra play against Montana state losing by a couple points, but you win by the margins, you die by the margins. Right. So like, if you think, Oh, we should be undefeated given how close the Davis and the Montana state games were in the conference, but that also the playoff committee could say, well, you could have lost two other ones within that confidence interval. And so, yeah, they're gonna have to win out, but it was comforting to see them just take care of business because that's what discipline teams should be able to do. It's sort of like I get nervous when my dogs play Vandy after on a win streak, right? So, Vandy, from from what people here in Tennessee tell me, Vandy's good for one good upset a year. So you never know. Give <laughs> against your team. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Chappie, what about you? Twenty four yards on the ground for the Wildcat defense. Are these guys hitting their stride right now, or is this just like, nah? This is this is the way things work in Ogden. No, defense has been had their stride. I mean, they've it's been this way. Um, we mentioned it, I think, in our in our game day show last week that you know it, it's it's been excellent to see how the defense under um, you know Coach Dale and Coach Duff have, has just continued to be what a, as though Jay Hill were coaching it. You know, and that's that's phenomenal. The defense is great to me. Uh, the really good part about the game, one of the big highlights, was just seeing. 
you can see what they're trying to do in the red zone. And we mentioned it a little bit with Chris Jackson. They're, they're, they're definitely running Chris Jackson more in the red zone, especially close yep. to the goal line. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. Um, we can also see that they are very high on the Creighton Cooper package. Yeah. The, 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 that, that, that is something that they, they went to plenty um, to the goal on Saturday. And, you know, it, for, for the most part, it worked too. Uh, but, you know, that seems to be the coach's solutions or the thing that they are trying now to, to, to make the red zone percentages better. Yeah. So I'm, I, I like that you brought up the Creighton Cooper thing because the Wildcats rushed for 189 yards. Not surprising, uh, especially with guys like Chris Jackson, Dante McMillan. Um, and then also uh, like he noted, Damon Bankston, who's been really good this season, I think in the situations that he's been put in, but Creighton Cooper coming in, uh, let all rushers, everybody, 59 yards on the ground. I mean, what I'm thinking here is like, we know that Creighton Cooper seeing some of his tape from high school, this is a guy who can throw it, but gosh, do we have the makings of another Stefan Cantwell here where he's getting comfortable running the ball early in his sophomore or in his freshman season. And then as time progresses and the arm comes and the accuracy comes at the college level, you've got a guy who's a dual threat now who can really, you know, do some damage. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that's, uh, to me, it, they're getting confidence in it, right? They're, and, and we saw them try it a lot early in the year, mm-hmm. um, again, with kind of mixed results. And it, to me, it's, it's fun to watch the opposing announcers because they, they, they like never know what to think. They clearly have not done their research and never know what to think when it's like, Ooh, who's this, what are they running a new quarterback in here for? And of course we know exactly what it is, but yeah, uh, they're absolutely <laughs> getting confident. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're going to run the ball. what they're going to do, or they're going to yeah. do something like a jump pass. They're going to, you know, um, but it's good. I, it's, like I said, it's, they're, 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 they're trying to get creative to, uh, to solve, you know, potential red zone issues and to increase percentages there. Yeah. Michael, what do you make of that, man? I mean, we've got a quarterback, you know, 59 yards more than any other, any other rusher on in, in either team. I mean, is that a recipe for success going forward? Because it sure worked on Saturday. I mean, it can be. It all depends on who's going to, if his offensive line can create the cushion for him to make it happen, right? Like, so, I mean, being here in Army, I watch way too much triple offense or triple option offense, right? <laughs> and so sure. then the quarterback tends to, you know, take it, tuck it, and run. But I, the, the other thing I find that's been great with these last couple games, especially the Eastern game, and I think a little bit with the Idaho State game, was there at the end when it looked like it was getting closer, the defense didn't fall apart on the field, right? Like they were able to withstand that pressure and make sure that they could keep them from taking over the game, which was, which was exciting to see. There's been years past where you haven't quite seen that, but I mean, I think the quarterback part, the quarterbacks, you know, running it, rushing it like that, it helps you, especially in the red zone because it can help you get those last couple yards you might need there at the end. Yeah. A couple other things here, guys, before we wrap up this convo and move on to buy or sell. It's a game I've got ready for you. We saw history on Saturday. Rashid Shahid, seven rushing or seven kick return touchdowns now tied for the NCAA record. I mean, guys, 
I mean, how special was that to see, you know, and of course we're all looking for flags, right? We're all looking for flags because we've been burned before. We've seen what happens, San Diego State game. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, how, how was it to see not only the special teams, you know, and, and see Rashid Shahid get that opportunity and that recognition now currently special teams player of the week nationally across the NCAA with that one um, and an opportunity to potentially break the record should he have another opportunity but also a block punt for a touchdown. Like, like you noted, Chappie, special teams. Um, Chris's roommate, Nassim Colvin, uh, blocking the punt in the end zone and the Wildcats recovering for a touchdown to go up 40-17. Man, I mean, great to see this special teams unit because it feels like of all the units, I mean, of all the three aspects of the ball, the special teams is really rolling right now and doing some interesting things. Yeah, it made me chuckle on Twitter this morning when I think it was Brett Hine first reported that they had tied the FCS record. That's right. And then came back later in the same thread and said, wait, he also tied the FBS record. That's right. And so I just think it's amazing and just shows how well, as Chappie's pointed out, the special teams has worked out. Well, and to me, I'll just always look like the two or three more he should have. Yeah, <laughs> over no, the that's, years. that's fair. That right, is fair. Kids should be up to 10. Uh, I'm and, and to me, it just it couldn't happen to a nicer, a nicer guy. I mean, we've had Rashid on the show a couple of times. He is he is all class and you can't help but, but be happy for for a kid like that. And, you know, comparing it in the tweet that, that Michael's mentioning, some of the names that Brett Hine was oh, right. was throwing was throwing out there for other players that have done this. You know, Rashid's got a he's got a very good shot at playing in the NFL and it's it, it couldn't happen to a better person. Absolutely. Um, on that note, um, of course, like like we noted, Rashid, you know, tying the the NCAA record in uh, career kick returns for touchdown. He also had a good game, guys. Uh, ended up with four catches, eighty eight yards. The the mantra we've been hearing from Jay Hill over the past few weeks, and I think really all this season is say it. Say it. Get, we got to get, we, we, get, 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 get Rashid the ball more. Yeah, we got to <laughs> get all say it in, unis- in unison. We could all say it in unison twenty times in a row. Jay Hill has. <laughs> Jay Hill has literally said it every press conference since like week one. Every one is we, we got to get Rashid the ball more. And it's amazing what happens when you get Rashid the ball more. It's happening. And he's and I think the interesting thing about it is that he's getting opportunities down the field. He's really been cooking guys down the field using the speed that we just talked about. You know, his kick return speed, using that to get down the sideline quick and get behind the defender. Uh, and if the quarterback can just get the ball down at the right spot, my goodness, like there's an opportunity there. And so, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's a recipe for success. And I think also kind of the nice thing about that, that should the Wildcats get into the playoffs, it's going to draw some of those defense. You know, they're going to have to maybe double team the guy or kind of scheme for him. And that opens up so many other weapons that the Wildcats have. You know, you're going to see stuff from Randall Grimes. You're going to see stuff from, you know, John Christensen had some good catches on, over the weekend. Uh, David Ames hasn't really had an opportunity to really play a bunch this season, but he's very dangerous and has really good hands. And so they're just all over. They're just really good opportunities. And of course, T-Mac, Ty McPherson. I mean, he's, he's had some really big catches this season. I mean, the more that they go to Rashid and the more that he becomes that threat, especially the deep threat because of his speed. Gosh, that just does so much for the, for the, for the wide receiving core and, and the offense. It's the best possible outcome, honestly. It, it's it's what makes the offense go. Uh, and and while we're on the topic, quick shout out: that first touchdown, the throw that 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 Bronson made to Rashid was phenomenal. The the DB went into zone, 
safety was covering over the, over the top. And so Bronson had to put that on a, right in the bread basket on a dime and he did. And so, you know, shout out to Bronson for that throw too. Yeah. Super accurate throw and ended up, um, ended up coming away with it. So guys, parting thoughts on uh, Weber state, Idaho state, before we go to buy and sell. They are who we thought they were. Yep. Taking care of business. Yeah. Got to win the ones you're supposed to win. So yeah, we didn't want to see number four loss in our lifetimes, Colby. Like (laughs) I don't want to before, like my freshman year when we went one and 10 before we hired Ron McBride, like that was the one game we won was against Idaho state. And I think I was like the one student section sitting there doing my like statistics homework because it was free. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so so I will say one thing that Idaho state does have, and they very prominently display the national championship 1981 banner, which happens to be the year I was born. And I just always, every time I see that, you know, I I look at it a little bit more because I'm like, what happened? Like one, how did that happen? (laughs) And then two, what, what, what has happened in the 40 years since, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's been just decades of not being not good for, 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 for the poor, for, for Idaho state. Certainly the truth, but I'm with you, Chappie. That was annoying on ESPN plus to see constantly their national championship banner in my face when there are zero of those in Ogden would love to change that really, really soon. And that was the thought I had. I, 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 just, I, just, I just sat there and thought, I'm like, see, nobody can ever take that from me. Like if that's, if that's hanging at the store stadium, if that's on the stadium wall, anything like that, like it's going to be there forever. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's why you want to win that because nobody's ever going to take it from you ever. Got that and that's one. also why I was so impressed with Chris's answer about team culture, right? Cause it, it matters so much. Cause without Jay Hill, we were kind of stuck in that rut there for a few, for a few seasons in the mid tens. And I was nervous after the high from Mac that we, that we might just revert back to what we had been in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands. One of the, one of these days there will be a, you know, there will be probably a true story told about, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on John L. Smith, three months at at Weber. And, and just some of the stories that I've heard that can't mention here. And man, uh, that, after he left, I genuinely, they hired Jay Hill. I genuinely thought I'm like, this is going to take a long time to, to get over. Well, of course it will start. It wasn't Jay Hill. It was um, Jody Sears who came in, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 John L. Smith could have crippled Weber state's football program for many, 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 many years. No, I remember cause we had just moved to Athens. So I was used to having all these sec people around and there were a couple of Weber state folks we went to church church with. When they hired John L. Smith, they came up to me and they're like, what are they doing? I'm like, I don't know. What are they talking about? Like, did you not follow what happened in Arkansas and Michigan State? I'm like, no. <laughs> but then I went and read it. I was like, what is going on out like, there? No, this is not good. Not good. Not it's good. Not good. So, I mean, I, I, I can't fault Jody Sears for picking it up and trying to do the best. But, man, I think Wildcat fans, we need to be looking to the future because I hope Jay Hill stays a long time. Well, we'll see. Give him, give him a statue. <laughs> give that man a statue. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. All right, fellas. Now we're going to move on to uh last little bit of our show tonight. Uh, I got a game ready for you guys called buy and sell. I've got some scenarios here for you and we're going to see kind of what you guys think if you're going to buy or sell on the scenarios that I've put together. So first one right out of the gate, Michael, I want to start with you. The Wildcats will win out and get in the playoffs. You buying or selling? Oh man, could I could I do a credit swap? So I think I will buy 
that they will win out. So, so we want this, but we want the statistical analysis on. Oh, the statistical analysis. So this is what I'm worried about. If I'm diversifying my portfolio, is I think what they're, they're they're playing teams that are around them right now in the standings, and I think Weber State is a better team than they're than they are right now in the middle of the pack with two losses, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think they won't have any problem with the remaining schedule. What I am worried about is a two loss team making it into the playoff as competitive as the big sky conference is right now. So what, what I'm thinking is I don't know if they control their own destiny. I think some folks need to lose. Oh, that's fair. Chappie. What about you? You buying or selling on the wildcats winning out and making the playoffs. So I'm buying, but I'm going to give the word of caution. Like Michael did, they don't control their own destiny. They, they need Eastern to, win out they need that need they need that to be the best win but they also need other teams from other conferences to 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 not play well like we need the caa to to have a poor finish right we need to have the valley teams have a poor finish for weber state to get in the playoffs the big sky is most likely going to have to have six teams get in the playoffs now 2019, Weber State had four, or excuse me, the Big Sky had four seeded teams, right? I think we had five in the playoffs. So it's not, it's not unfathomable for them to get six teams into the playoffs. It's just that, you know, kind of like March Madness in basketball, you need to not have teams that shouldn't win conference tournaments, win conference tournaments, yeah. right? You, you have to have, it has to be, it's just not in their control. They have to have some other, teams perform terribly and not make it in, into the playoffs from some of the other conferences because the Valley, heck, they think they should have like 12 teams every year. Right. So, <laughs> you know, what, whatever, whatever we can do to steal bids from them, we need to do. No, if well, we look at like Lombardi's March Madness, we are first team out right now. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's where most, most folks, I think Sam Herter had a piece last weekend where he talked about that exactly that Weber state was one of the first teams out. And so uh, some ships need to move. Now, some things have happened since then. Saluki's uh, Southern Illinois ended up losing to UNI over the weekend. And then Villanova ended up losing to William and Mary, I believe. So weird things going on uh, in the CAA and in the Valley. Um, so uh, the UNI, like UNI just gets the benefit. They, they could have two wins and still be on the bubble for the playoffs is like every year for the past four seasons. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't be surprised to see, you know, after that win, um, you and I probably, I mean, I haven't seen the rankings, but uh, I bet you and I is probably ranked what, like six at this point, they jump from 16 to six on that win. They, they have to, I mean, probably, they're probably four right now. Who knows? That's how it works. They're, they're the next <laughs> great team in FCS every time. All right, fellas. Uh, I got a couple more of these and we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Rashid Shahid will break the NCAA record for kick returns by the end of the season. He needs one more. That will make him the all-time leader. He currently is tied with, I think, three or four other guys. I mean, I thought I had pulled it up. But uh, yeah, so he's uh, currently tied at the top with seven. Should he get eight, he will be the outright leader. You buying or selling on that, Chappie? I'm buying. Okay. Although, Although for the life of me, and I said this on Saturday, I hope teams never stop kicking him the ball. Like, oh, yeah. Why are you still doing that? Why? I'm, I'm but, fine with it because we see yeah. what we get out of it. So keep kicking. Very grateful him. that they do. <laughs> yeah. Just what about you, Michael? You buying or selling? No, I'm buying team? it. I, I, with caution, right? Because 
the game theorist in me is saying that some team needs to do what Chappie says, which is stop kicking him the ball. <laughs> but they don't seem to want to, right? They seem to want to just keep handing it to him. And I think with history and three decent shots, right, with SUU on the tail end there, I think I think with only one is the ask, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we for the Bills, right? As our <laughs> former former alum up there tearing it up in the NFL, so Taron Taron Johnson tearing it up in yeah. in the league for sure. Just got a contract extension this last, uh, I think, off season or just a few weeks ago, something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, opportunity for sure. And um, we've seen some teams try and kick uh, away from Rashid um, as time went on. I think didn't JMU start doing it after a while? That's yeah, they kind of got wise and they because there were too many good returns. Uh, Rashid didn't end up taking one back on him, but a lot of really good returns giving the Wildcats field position. And so they started to kick away from him. Um, well, and, and I, I expect them to get start getting creative. Like, you know, the, one of the one of the highlights, one of Rashid that, that the university posted today was, oh. you know, they put all seven of his of his return touchdowns in there. And one of them was was, a you know, the fake reverse. And I like I fully expect coming off of the three fake punt game against Eastern Eastern Washington two weeks ago, I fully expect Jay Hill to try to find ways to get Rashid the ball, even if teams are not kicking it to him. For sure. All right, fellas, last situation here. We have Portland State coming to Ogden this weekend to take on the Wildcats at Stewart Stadium. Davis Alexander is a good quarterback for Portland State. Uh, has been, I think, I think number two behind Eric Berrier in passing yards this season in the big sky. But I think the Wildcats, I'm going to propose the Wildcats will keep Portland State below 150 yards passing on Saturday. Are you buying or selling on that, Michael? What do you think? I, you know, I'm going to sell on that one. So okay. I think I'm passing. I'm going to sell on. Though I really do like our defense against the rush this season. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on the, uh, pass on the passing and buy on the rushing. Okay. Chappy, what about you? You buying or selling on the Wildcats, keeping the, the Vikings below 150 yards passing? No, no, I'm, I'm selling it, but I don't think that's a negative thing, right? I mean, Eric Berry had 200 plus yards and uh, it, almost 250 and it, and it didn't matter. You know, he, they just need to, uh, we have given up a few big pass plays this year. It just needs to be adequate. You know, they, they will get their turnovers. And as Michael mentioned, they will, they will create havoc in other places, but you know, giving up some, some passing yards isn't the end of the world. And, you know, Portland state has been able to score this year, looking at their scoring totals and their other yeah. games, they put up some points. So yeah, I, yeah they're going to, they're going to get theirs, but uh, it's not going to be, you know, he's not going to throw for 400 yards. <laughs> he's not going to throw for 300 yards, but 150 seems reasonable. Okay. Well, fellas, we'll see what happens on Saturday, November 6th. Uh, like we noted, uh, football will be taking on Portland State at Stewart Stadium. The kick will be 1 p.m. Mountain Time, ESPN Plus, 103, one the way. Or just show up to the tailgate. Uh, if, if the kick's at 1, that means tailgate's at 11. So get up there to Stewart Stadium. Uh, sadly, I will not be joining you, fellas. I'll be there in spirit. But get up there, get tailgating at 11, and then uh, go into the game and watch it happen at 1 o'clock. So it should be a good time. Uh, the following week, uh, Wildcats will take the trip, the final trip for who knows how long, down to Southern Utah to take on the T-Birds one last time as a member of the Big Sky. So that game will be Saturday, November 13th, down at Cedar City. Uh, I believe Alumni is doing a tailgate down there, so check out the Alumni website. They've got a thing. I think that an email went out today. So if you're interested in hanging out with some Wildcats in Cedar City before the game, uh, 
make sure to get on board with that. Uh, kick at that game will be 2 p.m. also on ESPN Plus and 103 won the wave. That just breaks my heart to think that they're leaving the conference, man. But well, I don't know, man. Another it's, podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it is another podcast. Uh, I would like to see the rivalry continue outside of conference realignment the way that Florida, Florida State has. I'm hoping for something like that because, man, would it be great. And by the way, I just noticed that Idaho State no longer plays us last either. We, we are we are a rivalry orphan at this point again here in Ogden. We are, man. Like there, we are. I can't remember who our protected rivals are. And now with this like weird conference thing, but yeah, we're, we got Northern Colorado at the end of the season. Like I can't wait to give those guys a haircut. Like they're not a rival. I'm just gonna whoop them and send them back to Greeley. Like I don't care. Beating Eastern. Yeah. Well, it's worked so far, man. Good luck up in, up in Cheney. Uh, all right, fellas, we're going to wrap this one up. If you have questions, uh, got an idea, want to be on the show, whatever, email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go ahead and check us out there. Noted at the top of the show, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash weberstateweekly. I'm going to be working on some stuff over the next few weeks to kind of um, help out or... Uh, how do I want to put Just thank those that have uh, been generous supporters of us thus far, maybe do some shout outs and some other things, but please check out patreon.com slash Weber state weekly and uh, support the work that we're trying to do to kind of grow this thing because we'd like to bring more people on and maybe have some students come and help us to produce more content to keep wildcat fans in the know about what's going on up on campus. And then finally we've got a blog, WeberStateWeekly.com. Um, be watching that for some multimedia content coming up soon. I've got some news pieces planned, um, but also Maybe some interviews. Uh, I got some. I got some recruiting interviews scheduled, both in volleyball and in football. So maybe even one in uh, in hoops as well. So check that out. WeberStateWeekly.com. Be watching our blog. Uh, we're gonna have some good stuff. All right, fellas. Uh, appreciate you both taking the time chatting Weber State football tonight. Uh, I'll wrap it up like we usually do, and I'll say Weber State. Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Michael. <Wildcat. laughs> 